0: Hello and welcome to Blonde, Brunette, and Confused, the podcast where we share stories, unsolicited advice, and conversations about life as college students.
1: We want to give you the unfiltered truth. Today, more than ever, people have been reflecting on the systemic and institutional racism in our country, from the government to the police to our own internal and often unconscious biases. As a
0: podcast that focuses on college life, the three of us wanted to come together to reflect on the racial injustice within our own university and how we can hold ourselves, our peers, our professors, and our school accountable to create change. Before we start, we want to provide a content warning. There will be mentions of slavery, rape, eugenics, and racism during this episode. Please make the best choice for your mental health when considering if you should listen.
2: You all listening might be wondering why we've chosen to not have a guest on this episode. It's just us three white passing ladies. A lot of thought went into that decision. I know you might be like, you guys shouldn't be talking about this, but the truth is the black indigenous and people of color. BIPOC community has been speaking out against the aggressions and injustice they faced at our university for years
1: people just haven't been listening. So Bella referred to the phrase white passing and just in case any of you guys don't know what that means or why we used it, white passing means pretty much what it sounds like. You can pass as white. So when you first meet me, you think that I'm white without really knowing what my ethnicity is. And even though Bella and Hannah are both white, I'm not sure if we talked about it in another podcast, but I am Japanese also, uh, amongst other things like Italian, German, Irish, French, but I am a quarter Japanese, and even though I'm not very in touch with my japanese roots i am still japanese but when you first meet me i am mainly white and so that's what you'd probably think of me as and so we use the term white passing because i am honestly passing as white some people i know don't really like that phrase but me personally because i'm not super in touch with my japanese roots i um, don't mind that phrase being used at all and i honestly consider myself to be mainly white so, some of the most
2: important conversations we can have occur between people with white privilege. And I think that we need to do the work to educate ourselves and reflect rather than wait and expect members of the BIPOC community to educate us. Today, we're going to do that. We're just going to honestly reflect on our time at Hofstra and how we can actively work to fight racism. At Hofstra, we don't get to say what's enough. We don't get to say what makes people feel unsafe or uncomfortable. We just want to say that we stand behind the BIPOC community at Hofstra, and we want to make sure Hofstra doesn't think they can ignore that community because they can't. Hofstra should be a safe and welcoming place for all. That being said, in the future, we do hope to use the podcast to chat with student activists and amplify BIPOC voices. How's the podcast going to work? It is three different sections. The first is a timeline of events at Hofstra. The second is a reflection on our own personal experiences at Hofstra, and the third is ideas for being better. I will be explaining a timeline of events uh, that we will then, as a group, reflect on. But the timeline is constantly changing, so I think it's important to say that we're recording this on July 9th of 2020 because every single day we learned something new. The timeline is also just things that I have pieced together. So it could be missing things, but I did the best that I could. The information I'm sharing in this timeline is compiled from tons of articles, statements, petitions, information from the Jefferson Has Gotta Go campaign themselves. Everything will be linked in our Instagram bio. Please go read that because you should be listening to the authentic and unfiltered voices of the people that wrote those things and not like my watered down version. So yeah, I've tried to consolidate things because we're moving quick, but you should really go listen to what they have to say. It's really important. So anyways, let's get into it. So since we've become students, one of the biggest movements on campus has been the Jefferson Has Gotta Go campaign. I think the three of us have probably been somewhat aware of it, since our first year. Did you guys know about it before this summer? Nope.
1: Briefly. Like, I mm-hmm. knew there was some sort of issue, but mm-hmm. honestly, this tells you how unaware I am, um, that I literally didn't even know that statue was there. I don't know, for some reason, because I, I just walked past it mm-hmm. and didn't acknowledge that there's a statue there.
0: I knew the statue was there, um, mm-hmm. but I didn't know who it was of, because mm-hmm. my brain be real slow. Mm-hmm. So I did see the um, like Instagram for the Thomas Jefferson has to go mm-hmm. statue, but it took me mm-hmm. until they actually wrote down which statue it was for me to be like, oh, it's that one. Because I just yeah. didn't know what that statue was. I just thought it was a guy, and I really <laughs> didn't look any further
2: into it. My <laughs> bad. Exactly. I never noticed him. But the fact that we don't notice it, there's our white privilege. Even when I knew it was Thomas Jefferson, I had no idea what he had to do with Hofstra until I read the petition about his removal.
0: Wait, he has something to do with Hofstra? Right?
2: Because I was so confused about why someone why had gifted a, a statue in the first place of him. I just thought it was because he was, like, a president. I'll, I'll fill you in right now on why he's there and how loosely related to Hofstra he is, uh, and how maybe we really don't need him. Origin of the statue, David Mack. We know him, his name is everywhere. Uh, He gifted the Thomas Jefferson statue to Hofstra, and it was placed at the entrance of our student center, which is also literally named after his family. We have an arena named after him, we have the Student Center named after him, and I'm sure a bunch of other things that he's contributed to the university. So that might give you a hint as to why maybe the university has been less willing to move the statue. So, what does Jefferson have to do with Hofstra? Apparently, his architectural designs are credited with inspiring spaces across campus. So, in fact, it is not his roles throughout history. That Hofstra was trying to pay tribute to but instead his architectural designs. I knew knew? he was an architect. I didn't know that had anything to do with Hofstra though. Mm -hmm. I know I did not know. So despite this loose connection, Jefferson has a very dark history. He owned nearly 600 slaves in his lifetime as sourced by NPR and he raped countless enslaved women and children. His most widely known victim was Sally Hemings, who he raped and impregnated as a teenager. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. As the initial petition from the Jefferson Has Gotta Go campaign, describes and they describe it in detail all with sources he supported eugenics which is a form of selective breeding that was used as a means of trying to control quote-unquote undesirable populations which in reality were historically marginalized populations such as immigrants people of color poor people and more and he was also connected to white supremacist groups and you also have to keep in mind that this dark history is sitting at the entrance to the center of our campus. Our student center houses our food options, our bookstore, our post office, and tons of other offices that have resources for students, and it connects students to the academic side of campus. So, with the statue placed in this location, black students are being forced to pass a slave owner every time they walk on campus, and sexual assault survivors have had to pass a rapist that has been essentially immortalized on campus every single day. And that can take a great emotional toll on people. So you can see why the petition to remove the statue began. In March of 2018, getting into the timeline, Jelani Owens, who is now a Hofstra alum and a JD candidate at SUNY School of Law, created a Change.org petition demanding that Thomas Jefferson be removed. This kick-started the official campaign, but protests to get rid of the statue have actually been going on since 2004. After the petition began, momentum built, and a demonstration was co-sponsored by over a dozen student organizations to get rid of the statue. But in May of 2018, President Rabinowitz said, it's not going anywhere. Former President Rabinowitz. Ah, yes, former President Rabinowitz, But despite that verdict, the campaign continued to organize. They had protests, social media campaigns, and they attended meetings with staff, not only about the statue, but to advocate for additional demands to make Hofstra a safer place like anti-racist training and online discrimination and bias reporting. As they had these conversations in these meetings, the campaign shared that the only compromise they would consider, instead of completely removing Jefferson, would be to place the statue inside a museum space, that way students can choose if they want to go see it, instead of uh, being forced to encounter it on campus as they walk. One campaign I remember our freshman year that I don't know if you two saw that was also tied to Jefferson has got to go is where students would carry around black signs that said, ask me about blank at Hofstra. So ask me about Thomas Jefferson, ask me about racism, ask me about ableism, ask me about transphobia, title IX bigotry and on and on and on. Did you ever see that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I remember saying that for a lot of different things for like racism and all these things. And then there mm-hmm. were also ones for like the LGBTQ community. They had a lot of, like all of them were wearing like signs asking me mm-hmm. like.
2: Honestly, I think that's such a genius idea to foster discussion on campus and raise awareness. But one of my biggest regrets, and we were freshmen at the time, but I don't want to use that as an excuse. I never went up to one of those students and asked them about their sign. And looking back on it now, I don't know why they were literally inviting us to learn about issues at Hofstra and I just didn't. And I hold so much regret.
1: I, I was just way too shy. And I was just like, okay, I gotta go to class or whatever. And I, I'm scared to like talk to somebody. I don't know why. Cause I, we were like mm-hmm. freshmen and I'd be, I was like so scared to like go talk to somebody about it you know? I have
2: social anxiety. I get nervous talking to my actual friends, let alone people I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, it's really hard. And I feel like we hadn't at that time maybe felt established on campus. Statues have been taken down across the world, across the nation. And with that, of course, came increased reflection on the Jefferson Has Gotta Go campaign and increased energy. So on June 23rd, 2020, President or ex president or transitioning out of presidency, Rabinowitz, announced that the statue would be relocated from outside of the Student Center to outside of the Emily Lowe Museum, which is adjacent to our drama and dance department buildings, saying that it's so the public could still access it. But fun fact the Jefferson Has Gotta Go campaign was not contacted during the entire process of deciding to move the statue. People were not satisfied with the verdict, because if you recall, as I mentioned, the only compromise that people were interested in considering was moving it side. After the verdict, another petition was created by David Rivas. The petition talks about how drama and dance fields are already structured to disadvantage people of color from advancing in the field and that their departments at Hofstra already have very little diversity. So BIPOC students in these departments really need to be validated, uplifted, and safeguarded, and not confronted, again, by this idolization of a racist slave owner. In addition to that petition, alumni from Hofstra's Drama and Dance Department Hofstra's History Club and her campus, Hofstra, have all written statements sharing that they're not satisfied with the verdict. A letter was also written by a handful of students who were featured in a post from Hofstra about pride. They talked about the fact that Hofstra is showcasing that they support pride, but that also means supporting queer and trans people of color, which the verdict fails to support. Hofstra is being hypocritical and tokenizing their students in order to improve the school's image without actually doing any work. That's exactly what tokenism means. It's the practice of doing something, but only on a symbolic level in order to prevent criticism or make it appear like people are being treated fairly, when in reality, there aren't practices in place within that institution to promote equality. So they asked Hofstra to remove the post and the statue. And from what I saw on Instagram, the post has been deleted. But I'm not sure. It's just what I remember. Two articles were also published in the Chronicle. One written by Jelani Owens, who again was the original petition creator, titled Moving the Jefferson Statue is Not Enough, where she reflected on the news of relocating the statue. And then the other one is titled JGG Campaign. Jefferson has got to go a little farther than that which interviewed Rosario Navalta, who is a history and religion double major at Hofstra, as well as the current head organizer of the JGG campaign. Other important information about the campaign has been shared by recent Hofstra graduate, Ray. He's been posting infographic style posts about the campaign on their Instagram account, which we will link. One is about how SGA is connected to issues regarding racism or our student government association. Other one is talking about how students can support the JGG campaign. And both posts have explanations, ways you can take action, people to contact, and an email template. So literally just take the template take the emails they've given you, click send. Then the last bit of information, the most recent was July 3rd. The Jefferson Has Gotta Go campaign made an official list of their demands, which they've made public. And I'll read them quickly. The first one is complete removal of the Thomas Jefferson sculpture. The second is creating an online bias, discrimination, and harassment reporting system. The third, mandatory anti-racist training. The next is transparency on diversity and inclusion efforts, immediate decrease in gradual full divestment from the Department of Public Safety, payment of restitution to primarily Black-serving community organizations. This is much bigger than just a statue. This is structural change within Hofstra. And if you're wondering what any of these goals look like or why they're asking for these goals, it's all in that list of demands. They've clearly laid it out. Go read that is just again the tip of the iceberg if you go look at the links in our bio there's also descriptions of other instances within hofstra such as misconduct by public safety officers how much of that did you guys know none of it to be honest of course Mm -hmm. and i think one of the biggest things is hopefully this will be a resource but also just starting to follow these accounts or i was telling lauren A surprising thing, we have a Hofstra group for memes on Facebook, which you think would be the last place to get information like this, but because people use that space to critically reflect on Hofstra. where I found out that people were throwing their garbage out their windows last year in one of the towers. It's a great place to learn. Yeah, it actually is shooting off of that. Sarah Emily Baum, a current Hofstra student, created a community page for Hofstra on Facebook to have more serious conversations. So anyways, at your university, there might be a place where students are gathering to talk and it could be a great way to just start implementing that discourse just into your everyday life. Again, I want to say that my opinion doesn't matter, but freaking get rid of the Thomas Jefferson statue. I don't think the statue adds anything to campus. Give it to a museum where the history
1: can actually be upheld properly. I think that we should instead put it a giant plant there because we, we are an operatum. I think we should put like a palm tree or something, bring mm-hmm. a little bit of a different side of the world. <laughs> Melt it like plant. and let students use it for art <laughs>
2: projects. At the end of the day, it doesn't add anything to campus, and it's not worth keeping if it's making students' experiences at Hofstra worse. True. Our biggest priority should be making sure that Hofstra is a safe place for everybody, a safe and welcoming place.
1: Hannah's just carrying, like, five plants now (laughs) on her screen, so I think (laughs) she's on board with the whole plant idea with me. No.
0: <laughs> if you need a plant to put there, I have a lot. Um.
1: <laughs> <laughs> also, when I first read the, like, was it the email or the art? Or I think mm-hmm. it was the email that they first sent out about it. Mm-hmm. I, because we were getting um a bunch of emails that week just like kind of updating us on like corona and everything Mm -hmm. and so when I got it I kind of skimmed through it and in my head I thought like at first I was like oh they're getting rid of it then I was like oh they're putting it in the museum like in the library for some reason and then I was like oh no it's going in Emily Lowe no it's it's going outside of Emily Lowe like I literally just like Mm -hmm. went in the process of like trying to understand Mm -hmm. where it's going and
2: yeah if you're moving it, why not just move it to the place where students actually want it to be moved? You're clearly not listening to what students want and not even including them in the discussion. And one of the biggest arguments in 2018 for why they didn't move it is that they didn't have the money. It would be too hard. So if that's true and you are going to spend the money, time and resources to move it, why not just move it out? For the people that say we need to keep Thomas Jefferson – for history, again, maybe put him in a museum where his history and his impact can be clearly stated. There's not really much historical
0: significance to our Thomas Jefferson Yes. Statue. It's just yes. like the buildings are loosely based on his architectural mm-hmm. ideas.
2: You're so. completely right. To all the people, students at Hofstra, that think we should keep it for the history, reflect. How much do you know about Thomas Jefferson? Did you know why he was relevant to Hofstra? Has Hofstra taught you anything about Thomas Jefferson? How often do you stop and look at Thomas Jefferson? Like, why are you so invested in keeping him? I would highly recommend that you reflect on that. Mm -hmm. I know why I always remember Thomas Jefferson's there. It's a pokey stop. So
0: like (laughs) if you get rid of the statue and make I don't know, there's like a bush there. Make the bush a pokey stop.
2: Listen, at the end of the day, we don't need him. We don't we don't need him. Mm -hmm. And if you're white, Our opinion doesn't matter. So we extra don't need him. Also, I was telling Lauren, one of Thomas Jefferson's direct descendants literally said, take his statues down and do not idolize him. It's like this old
0: white dude. I found his Instagram. He only has like 50 followers.
2: So yes, listen to him. He's literally saying we don't need it. So I think we can say that we don't need it. Segwaying to... Segways are dumb. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I know I had no idea how to do that, guys, but it's happening right now. Racist incidents on campus. <laughs>
0: All right, now we got three mostly white girls talking about racism on campus.
1: I was just, like, kind of thinking back to uh, when we did Welcome Week training and they asked us about microaggressions because that's when I first learned what they were because I had no idea mm,
0: really?
1: of a microaggression that ha- that was uh, towards me so my story which is short but my story it was only, only happened once people usually when they look at me don't think like a lot of them are like you're something but they don't first initially think asian unless once you've actually known me you're but a bit it, ethnically um, ambiguous Yes, I'm ethnically ambiguous. (laughs) I said I'm Japanese. And someone was just like, oh, I wouldn't have thought you're Asian. You're really pretty. And I'm just like, I don't know how to take that. It's just saying it's like saying that Asians can't be pretty. And I'm like, thank you. Like, I didn't know how to respond to that. But I was like, oh, that is a microaggression. I now understand. So that's the only thing that someone's ever said to me. But other than that, like, I'm chill.
0: I don't know why you didn't tell us about that on campus because I would have found them.
1: <laughs> I don't even know. I it, it was a random guy. Like I don't even know his name anymore. It, it was freshman year, so I honestly don't remember who it was. Like I was just like com- confused. I was like, "Is that I I can't tell if that's a compliment or not. That's just odd." And so I was like, "Thanks." And then I
0: just. I think up. it's a compliment to you and an insult to like thousands of other people.
2: I have witnessed two instances of blatant racism by professors since my time at Hofstra has begun and I say by professors because honestly it's shocking or maybe it's the sad truth that people can get to a PhD level of education and you know have researched and done a ton of work in their fields and still be doing these things that I think we would all agree are not okay the first one is when in a lecture, a professor used a caricature voice when reading work by a Black Author, which basically perpetuated negative and degrading stereotypes. I personally have no recollection if they ever apologized, but after the lecture, we had a breakout class and students resoundingly spoke out about it, both in the class and in other classes who had watched the lecture. We ended up having a town hall for all of the students that attended the lecture where they could address concerns, and the teacher in question was not made to attend and never showed up. Just imagine that a teacher does something degrading not only to students in the audience but to an entire community of people and is not held accountable for their actions in any way.
1: So messed up.
2: Just that they even like weren't forced to listen to students and that they personally felt like they didn't have to or that they shouldn't or that it wasn't important enough to attend It was just shocking on all fronts. They faced no repercussions from what I understand. But again, this is all just my personal memory. My second instance is when a professor said the N-word. So he used the word by criticizing someone who was being racist and quoting them. But guess what? There's never an appropriate time as someone who is not black to say the N-word. I don't care if you're quoting someone. Mm -hmm. So it was towards the end of class, and I just remember all of us looking around the room like, did that just happen? (laughs) Students spoke to him after class about how inappropriate it was, and the next class he formally apologized. At least he
1: apologized for it.
2: Yeah, so he recognized that it was wrong and that he shouldn't have done it, but it was still really shocking. As I've told the ladies outside of the podcast, almost the painful irony of these instances is the fact that they were happening in classes where I was learning about important things like the prison industrial complex, intersectionality, other current events. I read the work of Asada Shakur. I learned about the Stonewall riots. I learned about drags role and gay liberation. So I was learning a lot of stuff about progressing social movements. And even in those classes, the teachers were still perpetuating racial injustice. But now as business students, I haven't had anything insensitive come up in my business classes
0: same I haven't had anything. my business classes are pretty much just like this is the textbook I will repeat it Mm -hmm.
2: yeah I think that's the perfect segue to our final section where we talk about what we can do because I personally would love to see in our business classes just more talk about historically marginalized communities and how business plays a role. There's slight mentions of like corporate social responsibility or ethics, and that's kind of where it ends. Maybe it's like a portion of a chapter. But what I would really love to see is in our intro classes, starting to implement how business impacts society, the environment, how businesses treat their employees. It can even be small things like the fact that the five forces model which to some of you will mean nothing. But to us business kids, that's like a pretty foundational thing that we learn. It's basically about when you're analyzing a business's place in the world, what competition and opportunities they have and how successful that business may be. It never talks about how that business treats people or the environment. But I would love for a professor to even acknowledge the fact that the mindset of that model is uh, slightly outdated and not holistic. Or even in our entrepreneurship class, I would love for them to stress how you develop a company on a strong foundation of values, where you're going to treat employees with a certain level of respect. Where you, how hard is it for a woman or a person of color or a young person to get funding as an entrepreneur? So, anyways, uh, tons of random ideas. Race, it's Built unfortunately into the foundation of our country, and I think classes, even if they don't feel like they have to acknowledge it, should think about how they can. As a school that's breeding the future business people of America, I would love to see us come out of Hofstra wanting to make an area of study that a lot of people see as like evil or greedy. I would love to see people come out of Hofstra wanting to create really positive change.
1: That's a good part of quarantine is it gives people the time to like reflect on how they're acting and so mm-hmm. like we all go back into society, like we can all mm-hmm. try to kind of realize how we're acting and like what mm-hmm. we think and our opinions that's
2: so true. It gives you so much more time to learn and think and reflect. So if you take this time now, everybody, to think about what you're going to do when you come back to campus you can hit the ground running for the people that don't know where to start. Like maybe like us, you had no idea what was happening on your campus. And we've mentioned it before. Start surfing social media for accounts you can follow. Like read your school newspaper. You know what I did? I looked up our school's name and racist on Twitter and Twitter will filter like keywords and you can read what people are really saying about your school. But yeah, just start looking at social media and integrating that into your everyday feed and if you see something share something because a lot of the things that I saw was because other Hofstra students reposted them on their stories like a lot of the stuff
1: that I learned and if you're also a freshman I know it can be scary to say something and to call someone out or to um, say what's going on in the school because like you know, we're shy, and we want to make a good first impression at the school and with our professors and everything, but honestly, it will will make a bigger impact, and you'll be known better if you speak out.
2: Another thing I thought about doing is looking at Rate My Professor reviews. Like, apparently, the teacher that used a caricature of a Black voice to read the literature by a Black author has a reputation of being racist, and I did not know that.
1: I have a comment with that too. I do remember, so my, one of my classes, I'm not going to say who or what class, because there's only one person that uses this class, so I'm not gonna say But I had a class last semester or two semesters ago. And this teacher, when I was looking at her for Raymond Professor, she had so many, like, things saying that she was racist. And I was just like, oh, God, but, like, I need to take this class. And I was just like, I don't know what else to do. And my big also took this class, and she is Indian, and they. she said that she was racist towards her. She didn't say specifics, but she was saying, she's like, yeah, so, like, be careful. And I'm like, okay. But then my class, like, that semester, for some reason, nothing, like – In our class, she didn't do anything or, like, say anything that was racist. I I guess we were lucky, but, like, it's not – I don't know. Her reputation Mm -hmm. was that, but it didn't show in my specific semester, so.
0: Was there any people of color in your class?
1: Yes. Oh, I
0: was going to say if there wasn't, mm-hmm. then maybe that's why. But then I just <laughs> yeah, don't know.
2: I guess it's hard to know, like, what happens behind closed doors. If, but even the fact that someone is forced to take that class and they go into it knowing that it might not be a safe space for them. Another thing that I thought about was looking at the, your reading list for class and seeing, like, who the authors are and how diverse the authors are. It's, it's a small thing. But it could have a big impact asking your teacher, like, hey, why are these all white people? Just making sure the resources in your class represent diverse opinions because that's really valuable. And then there's also the basics like sign petitions, attend events, ask students about their experiences, and genuinely listen to them. Think about how the clubs you're in could take action. Literally, as I said, the communities that are impacted and the organizations on campus that are working on these things are saying exactly how you can help them. So sometimes the best thing to do is just listen to them. Mm -hmm. Welcome back to preschool. We're all going to turn on our
0: listening
1: ears. Exactly. So there's this thing. I don't know why I didn't even think of this. Okay, there's this thing. I don't know if it's true or not, but it seems to be true. Apparently, for the more popular sororities, they do something called a chosen minority. And so in every recruitment group, they have to at least have one person of color as their chosen minority to make their sorority not look racist. So, and I'm just like, uh... You know what's a really easy way to not look racist
2: is to include people in your organization because they're cool people and you should want them in your organization and you shouldn't have to force yourself to include them. This is Bella editing right now. I just wanted to pop in and clarify what my reaction to this rumor is trying to convey. I was trying to say that this rumored practice doesn't seem to be a genuine effort to make Greek life more inclusive and diverse but rather appears to be a form of tokenizing that tries to cultivate a positive and inclusive image without actually doing the work to dismantle the structural racism within Greek life so I hope you better understand the point I was trying to make doesn't one
0: of those organizations only let people in that they think are pretty that's like a known fact right
2: The disclaimer I want to leave when you're all thinking about the ideas we have given to be better when we return to campus, please remember these are all our ideas and they're not coming from a place of experience. Because we're all Yes, exactly. The most important thing you can do is stand with your BIPOC communities and do what they ask, listen to them, genuinely listen, and stay educated about what's happening on your campus. This is like
0: when you're first learning something and it's like, I'm going to do a Google. We're the quick Google. We're not the in-depth, like, I'm going to click on this article. We're whatever Wikipedia's first blurb is. That is us.
2: We are the little blurb. This is Editing Bella reminding everybody again to please go follow the Jefferson Has Gotta Go campaign on Instagram and Twitter. Their handle on both platforms is TJ Has Gotta Go, as well as to please read their list of demands so you truly understand the change that needs to occur on our campus. After recording ended, we discovered the Instagram account at Black at Hofstra that shares the experiences Black students and alumni have had on campus with racism. So please go follow that account and read what students are sharing on it because it's so, so important to truly understand the problems at our university from the perspective and voices of BIPOC students.
0: To stay up to date on new episodes and a look behind the scenes, follow us at BBNC Pod on all social medias, Instagram, Twitter, even Pinterest. It's also a great place to contact us, let us know what you think, and give us topics you want to discuss. Finally, share our podcast with anyone you think may be interested. Thank you so much for listening. You're all shining stars and my dog is really cute.